So welcome back to the Jack of All Trades podcast, episode two. Two? Yeah, I can't count. <laughs> As you drink out of your like tusk mug. The the horn mug that I yeah. got from the uh the the uh the Pickering flea market that just closed. That's literally the most masculine thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making my home I'm making homemade mead right now, so I'm getting it up to 11% alcohol, so this is pretty. This has got a kick to it. But uh, I'm like, if I'm going to be drinking what the Vikings drink, then I got to be drinking out of what the Vikings are using too. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> All right. So I think on this episode, we wanted to get into a little bit more like the day trading side of things, um, just kind of what to look for, like how to how to find patterns. You know, um, you know, just some kind of key things, how to how to track them and stuff like that. Um, so I think we'll just get right into it here. Uh, if we want to pop over to my screen. So yeah, right now. So this, this, um, this stock right here, the ticker is uh, BTBT. It's, uh, what was the date on this? So I'm looking at, I'm looking at this day right here, which was December 28th. So you can see we had this day, it opened at, uh, you know, six. Well, you can see the low, the lows and the highs are written over here. So low was 625, the high was 1245. So know roughly around 100% move or so in a day um so the reason first of all the reason this one interests me is when i'm looking at these kind of things like like my 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 ideal play is i don't like something that's gapped up like crazy like if this stock for example um this is the daily chart by the way so each one of these candles is one day so like if this stock was to you know open like way up here for example I wouldn't really be too interested in it for a long just because like it just gives it a lot more room to fall. Um, my favorite setups for like a day one green day, as I like to call them, is, is something that opened like kind of right near yesterday's close or slightly above it. And then you get a good move in the morning. You can see the volume down here is quite high. You know, we're up at, I don't know, say 60 million shares or whatever. Whereas, you know, the past few months, there's basically been really minimal volume going on. Um, here, do you want me to shrink that down a little bit? Might make it easier to see. There you go, perfect. Yeah, so that's the ticker up there, BTBT. Um, so yeah, like what? Anytime I'm looking for something like this, what I'm looking for is I, I don't I don't really want there to be too much overhead resistance in the past little while. So you can see it's you know this is this is November, so for quite a few months it's just kind of been fluttering along, not really doing a whole heck of a lot, and then we get this one this one pretty good shove. So. That's something that I'll see, you know, around around ten o'clock or something like that. I'll put my scanners out, and we'll we'll get into how to set up all those and everything later on. But basically, I'm looking for something that's that's increased, you know, like say ten percent, fifteen percent, nothing like too crazy. And then this one caught my attention, so I, I like this daily chart. And then if you go over to the, the the well, here, let's step back a little bit. I'm just gonna jump over to my other screen really quick for you guys. Okay, so do you use this, David, Finviz? Do you use this to get any of your information or no? No, no, I don't know this thing. Okay, so this is this is the first thing I do personally. Anytime I see a stock that's moving, the first thing I do is I go to Finviz, type in the ticker up here, which is BTBT, hit enter, and then it just shows you your daily chart. It's free, it's just a website, finviz.com. You have to pay to not get all the pop-ups. <laughs> but I'm too cheap. And then I look down here, and the shares float right there. I don't know if you guys can see that. Um, yeah, shares, shares float, it says it's 32 million. So that's perfect for me. Like my, my sweet spot on these kind of plays is, so anywhere between like 10 to 50 million is kind of my favorite spot to play. And the reason I like that is because it, it, there's a lot less, you know, there's a lot less supply essentially, like we were talking in the last episode. So. Anytime a stock has a low float, that means it's going to move a lot further potentially and a lot faster, which is great for, for volatility. And uh, the reason being is, you know, obviously the less shares there are available for trade, you know, if one person buys one share, it's going to have a higher percentage effect on the price of the stock than if it has a, you know, a much bigger float. So just for example, you know, if I'm to go over to, I don't know, you know, Microsoft, for example, um, if you click on Microsoft, you know, the float here, the, the shares float is 7.56 billion. So you know if I if I if if I'm gonna buy a hundred million shares, the stock price really isn't gonna move that much. Whereas if we go back to you know BTBT and I look at this, you know it's 32 million shares. So I could buy 32 million shares and I could own the whole company. <laughs> so 
So that's that's the first thing I look at. So if, if this float is between you know 10 to 50, then that's perfect. That's my sweet spot. Um, just from my own experience, like I, I won't I won't trade anything that's over 100 million. Um, just because I find like when it gets over 100 million, the moves just get less and less and less. And you'll see, like you'll still see the same kind of pattern setup, but it won't necessarily have a, have enough to push it as far. So if uh, you know if I see a specific pattern and I'm, let's say I see a, a setup where I can risk 10 cents, then if the float is say 10 million, then if I see a really good pattern, there's probably a good chance that I'm going to make a dollar for that 10 cent risk. Whereas if the float's 100 million, then like I might only be able to get it pushed up to maybe 50 cents, 40 cents for that 10 cent risk even on an identical chart setup. And the reason is just because, you know, the bigger the float gets, the more people buying the stock uh, it takes to push it up. So, you know, the smaller this number, the, the quicker it's gonna move. Um, you do have to be careful though, if you see stocks that are really low, like, you know, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, those ones you have to be cautious because you can get into something, it's, uh, it's called a circuit halt basically where the stocks, they become, they become so incredibly volatile that, you know, they can, let's say it's at a dollar, it can literally in a matter of two seconds, go from a dollar to $3. And then the SEC, which is, you know, call it the, you know, the FBI for stocks, it's the Securities Exchange Commission, they, they basically monitor and regulate all the stocks on the stock market, they'll halt the stock. So you could, you know, get into a position and it could, it could spike up or drop down so fast because there's such a such a low float that the SEC will halt it. Um, a lot of the times it'll only halt for, you know, maybe five minutes is typically what they halt it for, but sometimes it'll be 10. And then, you know, I've seen some horror stories where a stock will spike up and then it gets halted and it gets halted for a month and then it opens, you know, 80% lower and you've just lost everything, right? Or, you know, you short a stock and you get stuck in a short position and then it could open 200% higher. And now all of a sudden you've lost your entire initial investment and you also owe your broker, you know, an extra hundred percent. So you have to be right. like anything that anything that's under 10 million, I would say for anybody that's starting out, just avoid it because like they're really, really volatile and you can get yourself trapped very quickly. And they, they move so fast that you just, you have to be able to make really quick decisions. Um, sure, uh, you touched on something earlier. I want to just explain uh, in case our listeners don't know, like, cause you mentioned gap up. So the markets oh. trade, generally from 9.30 in the morning to like 4 p.m. at night. And, um, and then there's pre-market and after-market trading. And then that's when, the, when you see the gaps, right? Right. So yeah, when I, when I say a gap up, I basically mean, you know, let's say the stock closed at $10 and then they came out with some news at 4 p.m. And the stock, like certain brokers, like interactive brokers, I can change for, I could trade for a period in after-market hours and pre-market hours. Um, other brokers allow you bigger time frames. Some brokers only let you trade during during hours, which is most of them. So that's why the most volume happens during the day. Um, but basically, like a stock can a stock can close at ten dollars. They could have news come out. It could open the next morning at nine thirty at twelve dollars, or it could open at five dollars. You know, it could it could open a different at a different um, price than it closed. So when we say gap up, that's what I mean. Is you know, it's it's just it's gapped up from the previous day's close. Do you want to do you want to open up a screen just to show people just in case they don't know how to read a candle so they could get a really good idea of what a gap looks like and then sure. just even read a candle basically where it closes what like what 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 uh, what makes a candle red what makes it green basically okay <laughs> like we'll just start yeah. real basic yeah sure okay so I'll fl I'll flip back over to my mm -hmm. other screen here really quick because I remember when I first started trading I thought a green candle means there's only buying. And a red candle means right. there's only selling, but that's not how it works. Okay, so I'll, I'll yeah. zoom right in on this one here just so you can see it a little closer. So this is the day that I'm talking about again on this particular stock. So basically what a green candle means is is this the open price is the bottom and the closed price is the top, meaning at 9.30 in the morning when the market opened, this is your price, 6.25. And then when the market closed at the end of the day, it was 10.39. And then this little this little wick that you see on the top here, that's just when it went up to. So at some point during the day it opened here, the stock went up, it went up, it went up, and it got to this point and then it sold off and then it closed right here. And then it's the exact opposite on a red day. So like if I, you know, if I kind of pop over to one of these little red days, like this one here, for example, um, you can see it's got a wick on both ends. So what happened on this one is the stock opened at the top of the red candle and then it closed at the bottom. 
and then these wicks are the same thing. So this this day it might have either it might have gone down to here, and then it might have gone back up to here, and then closed down at the bottom, or it opened here, and then it had a spike in the morning, and then it went way down during the day, and then it came back up and closed down here. So that's basically the only the only difference between red and green candle. Green basically means you know it opened at the bottom and closed at the top, and then red it opened at the top and closed at the bottom. Right, um, and at the, at the, actually like on the at the end of the the most recent one, that's a perfect example of a gap. You see the red doji with the green with the giant green candle. This one here? On, no, on the um the twenty eighth. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so we see like a red doji there, and there, there, there's like a maybe twenty cent gap. Yeah, right here. So that's what a gap up is. Yeah. So this this is like perfect because you know when I'm looking at this, I'm seeing okay, the stock closed at six oh five and it opened here at you know six twenty five. So it, it's opened, or sorry, no, it closed at uh, five five ninety or something like that, five eighty nine, and then it opened at six twenty five. So it's opened you know thirty five cents up from the previous close. So already you know it's 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 got a little bit of strength there. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking at, and I'm I'm talking about a long play here. So when I'm looking at this particular setup, I'm looking to to buy the stock low and sell it high. Essentially, um, we're not. I don't think we're going to get like too crazy into a million different chart patterns on this particular podcast because, like you know, as much as you guys might want to know exactly what to do and exactly what setups to play, um, I learned a million setups to play that don't work for me. I can see them. Um, you know, like the risk is too much or they're just too volatile. Like there's, there's so many different little factors that, that don't work with my personality that like, even if I can see the setup, it's just, it's just something that I just can't, I just can't make work for me. So, um, I'm going to show you guys this one because it's called the ABCD setup. Um, it's a pretty, pretty picture perfect one I saw from last week. So I just wanted to touch on that so I can give you guys a good example. It's probably the most basic long setup you're going to find. And then, um, uh, outside of that, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go into how to chart these things and how to track them and and you know what what to look for and stuff like that. So so we've touched on basically here that on this particular pattern, like for me personally, we have you know a long period where there's not a whole heck of a lot going on, and then all of a sudden we have one day where we got some we got some uh, some movement going on. You know, some news came out, whatever. It's got a little bit of a gap up. You know, I ran my scanner at 10 o'clock and I saw that it spiked up quite a bit. So I'm interested at this point. I checked the float on Finviz. The float is 32 million. You know, it's right in my my sweet spot where I know the stock has the ability to move a lot. Um, so after that, uh, the next thing we'll do here is actually. Well, can you, do you want? I just noticed something. Do you want to hold on to that page? I just yeah. thought this was important. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Like the big green candle that you said that you were trading. Like if you can see the volume, that's a giant green volume candle. So there's a lot of shares being traded hands, right? Yeah, exactly. And like one of the things that I learned was like that's how you know that's that's a legitimate move up. But there's a lot of volume. There's a lot of um, shares trading hands. Right. Whereas if you go all the way back, I think it was um, what was I looking at here? Like mid December? No. Uh, mid mid or early December. There's a giant green candle, but on like no volume at all. Yeah. So that's irrelevant, basically. Yeah, that's some bullshit. That's just like a few people buying up the price. It's yep. and then it sold right off after. So it's like price manipulation, even. Exactly. So yeah, any, yeah, anything, anytime like that, like you'll see these these candles that are, you know, it might be a big green candle, but it doesn't necessarily have a lot of volume. Like this one here is pretty decent. Like that's, that's a pretty, you know, it's got it's got ten million volume, so that could be something that's tradable. Um, go back like four days, five five days. Like you see, right, right, stop right there. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears> this <throat> one here. No, no, no. Uh, there's one from the one that you were just showing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you see, oh, like, like these first ones. Yeah, like that's Yeah. So yeah, if I jump over that, then yeah, oh, it's like effect. you know, five hundred thousand shares, like that's nothing. But considering the price move and that volume, like that's really suspect. Yeah. So that what that is, that's probably considering that this this move kind of crept up like this. That's probably you know that could have been an institution buying. It could have been somebody knew some news that was coming out and they wanted to get in for this day, or you know, that could be a million different things. But it, it's not something that's tradable. If you look at if you look at the one minute chart. Um, then there's just not going to be enough volume to trade. You know, the, the, when, you look at, when you look at the spread, which is basically the, the bid price and the ask price of a stock, um, something like this, just for example, you know, if we're, at, if we're at a dollar here, say, if it has a lot of volume, there's a lot of people trading it, your bid price is going to be a dollar, your ask price is going to be a dollar and one cent. 
and there's going to be a lot of people trading that and that that one cent difference is going to stay the same so you know it'll go up to a dollar 10 it'll be a dollar 11 and that spread's always going to same it basically is it's the price that people are trying to buy the stock at and the price that people are trying to sell the stock at um but if you get into a really low volume situation that could be massive like it could be the you know the bid price could be 90 cents the ask price could be a dollar 10 which means people have orders out to try and buy the stock at 90 cents and people are trying to sell the stock at a dollar and 10 cents so like when it happened something like that you know like if you were to if you were to buy because you thought the stock was going to go up if you were just to buy at the ask price you've bought the stock at a dollar 10 and now if you want to sell out immediately the only people with buy orders that you can sell to are at 90 cents so you you have a 20 a 20 cent loss immediately if you try to sell out that quick um so that's that's the main reason why you want to make sure there's a lot of volume going on in these plays is just so you don't get stuck in that kind of a situation yeah, you know what that chart actually looked reminded me of it looked it looked like a very typical uh buy the rumor sell the news one because we uh -huh. see the three days there's three days where it was like the price was going up from like under a dollar to like two bucks even on very low volume then yeah. on the fourth day where it was like the finally the high volume trade you get this giant wick up and it gets sold all the way back down like yeah. somebody was selling the news you know when, yeah. when finally caught momentum there's dumbasses buying the smart people are like nope we're just gonna, gonna dump all our shit onto you yeah exactly so like the reason that i wouldn't play um if we just pop back over to the chart here again um the reason that uh like this particular day here just for argument's sake um even though it has pretty good volume you know like 10 million volume is it's it's decent it's not like crazy but you know it's still it's still a third of the 30 million float so it's still a good amount of shares um but we've already had three green days so personally, I wouldn't look to go long on this day just because we've had three straight green days. And at this point, there's going to be a lot of people. Anybody that um, bought down here is going to be thinking about starting to take some profits up here. And anybody that's looking to short is saying, OK, this is run up for quite a few days. Maybe I can go short, you know, into the three dollar area or something like that. Um, a huge part of trading and something that I'm actually doing a lot more reading in is psychology. And that's how I base a lot of my trades as well for conviction as I I try like you always want to try and think about what other people are thinking because at the end of the day when it comes to day trading like most people are just guys like me who are sitting at their desk making decisions right so like when i look at this i'm thinking okay like if i see this day that's green and you know it's up here and i'm thinking about going long it's like well hold on like i know a bunch of people bought you know way down here and they've been buying and buying and you know now anybody that bought down here at a dollar we're up at two dollars and fifty cents these guys are up 250 percent in you know, in two days. So like people are going to start selling because that's, you know, that's quite a bit of gain. Um, so that's why I don't, I don't play anything unless it's the first green day, just because the first green day gives you the best odds of, of having a, a push up. Um, so anyways, we'll, we'll get back on track here with this. So back to this, this one day here. So I'm going to go to the, um, hold on, let me, I'm just going to find that day because it was a couple days back here. Yeah, and I think it's important that people uh, understand, like when you're looking at these candles and these price action, it's not something random that's happening. This is like a distillation of mass psychology. Yeah. Right. It's basically how the the mass, the people, all the people trading the stock are feeling about that stock. That's that's all. It's all that these candles are. It's a reflection of that. Yeah. Exactly. This uh, this indicator that I use here, it's called the the VWAP line. It's the volume weighted average price. It's this little orange line. Um, you can get it on any, uh, any trading program as far as I'm aware. Um, it's great for intraday, like on the one minute chart, the three minute chart, the five minute chart. Um, that's just what's listed up here. I always trade on the one minute just because that's the way I've learned and that's what I like. Um, some people trade on the three minute, some people trade on the five minute. It's just kind of a personal preference thing. Um, but basically this line, essentially you can think of it as an indicator of whether or not people are mostly bullish, meaning people are mostly thinking the stock's going to go up or they're mostly bearish, meaning they're thinking the stock's going to go down. Um, so if I look at this, anytime I enter a long position, ideally I want it to be above this line because then I, I know the general consensus is people are thinking that the stock's going to go up. Um, so the ABCD pattern that we're looking at um, in the most basic terms, this is as picture perfect as I could find in the actual markets from this last week. You're looking for essentially a big spike up and then pull back another little pop, pull back a third pop, and then it goes and it just rips up past that. So in a perfect world, you have you know three distinct tops. And when I say distinct tops, I mean 
you know, here's clearly a peak, you know, here's clearly a peak. And then right back here, that's your third peak. And then in between each of those, you have a pullback. So, you know, you have the first big pullback and they kind of, they kind of tighten up as they go. So the first one's pretty big and then it comes up. The second one's a little bit smaller, comes up. The third one's even smaller. And then that's when you get the move that we're looking for. Um, so one of the things, and, 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 uh, you know, I'll touch on this when we get over the Excel spreadsheet is you really want to, when you see a setup like this, you know, like I see this trade and, you know, you look later on like, okay, this stocks, you know, it's gone up to $10 and 50 cents from, you know, the entry point of the move. So in, you know, in an hour, it's gone from $7 and 50 cents up to $10 and 50 cents. So, you know, if you were to put a hundred shares on there and hold it for that whole time, then you made $300, right? So that's the kind of move that I'm looking for. And the next step is, okay, how do we, how do we figure out like what exactly we're looking for? Like, how do we know where to enter? How do we know where to exit? Um, you know, what are the parameters that we're looking for to make sure this thing's going to work every time? So I'll tell you guys what I know just from tracking this pattern. And then I'll tell you how to go about finding new patterns and how to track them yourselves. So what I know from this particular pattern is the, there's variations to it, but the absolute best odds, like I'm always looking for odds. Like I want something to work 80% of the time. So the best odds are this, the, the first peak of the ABCD and where your entry point is should be as close to one hour as it can be. That's, I don't know why, that's just something that I've learned after charting this a million times. Um, I find if it's less, like if this exact same setup occurred over 40 minutes, the odds drop off significantly to whether or not this thing's actually gonna push up that hard or not. And then if it was, um, you know, if it was an hour and a half, again, with this exact same setup, the odds are way, way less. So one, like right around one hour, an hour and 10 minutes is like absolute ideal entry above the VWAP line. Um, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. So what I do is basically I draw a line right from this peak and I'll just have it touch, just touch down on this last top right here. Um, so the other thing that I've noticed in tracking these is that this top has to push my trend line out away from this second top. So for example, if I just remove this line for a minute, just for argument's sake, if this came down, and you can see this top here, we're gonna to touch that. So if it, if it touches that line, and then let's say this peak only came up to here, like it kind of came underneath that white line, and then it broke through, then the odds again drop off significantly as to whether or not this thing's actually gonna go up. So I don't know what the reasoning is, that's just again what I've figured out from charting. So, so, so far, you know, we're up here, we have a big spike in the morning, we've had a, you know, our second peak, we've had our third peak, you know, we're, we're 11 o'clock now, this peak is 10 o'clock, so we're, we're exactly an hour. And then as soon, as soon as this pops over this line, that's where I'd look to buy. And I'd risk off of this previous low. So the low here, you can see, is 745. And then your entry point is you know 765, say. So you can get into this and risk, and risk 20 cents very comfortably, knowing that if it drops below this previous low, then the, the patterns failed. Like I, I, I think I've seen one time or two times where this thing comes down and then it just completely reverses. Like it, it does not happen very often. Um, and then you just, and then at that point, you're just basically picking, you know, what your risk want to be. Like, do you want to risk $10? Then, okay, you buy, you know, you buy 50 shares at 765 and then you're, you're going to lose 20 cents at the most and you're risking $10 or, you know, $20 is your risk, then you buy 100 shares. Like that's the next step is, is determining what you want your risk to be. And that's how many shares you're going to buy. Um, so if you want to risk $20, you buy 100 shares. And then at that point, you know, you see you get these big spikes all the way up. So the next thing that you want to look for, now we've determined, okay, you know, we're tracking this pattern now. You know, I've, I've, I've screenshotted a dozen of these things, similar setups over the past couple of weeks. We've kind of narrowed in that this this is what we look for in the in the actual setup. Uh, we know on the daily chart it needs to be you know the first green day, first big green day after a pretty stagnant period. So what's the next step? You know where do I sell? Like you know if I if I get in here at seven sixty five and you know it goes up to eight dollars, should I sell? Like if it goes up to eight fifty, should you know how long am I going to hold this? When when do I know when this trend is broken? Um, so basically, what I do on that is if we go back to the daily chart here. Um, you're just looking for, for overhead resistance lines. So when I say overhead resistance lines, you're basically looking for 
on a long setup, it's typically a spike and you want to hit the peak of that spike. And on a short setup, it's the opposite. It's a dip. Those are usually kind of your best resistance lines. So for me, like what I'll do is I'll pop over to the daily and I'll draw a horizontal line right there. So right at the top of this green day, you know, there's a line there, there's a line there. And then, you know, I'll just kind of work my way out from there. So, you know, right there, this green day looks like there's a line. I'll draw another one here. You know, I just kind of, I just put lines all, all over the place wherever I see. And then, you know, you zoom out, there's nothing way back here, but the stock's obviously gone way up. So we'll scroll over to the left further. And, you know, there's, there's all this stuff up here. So you do the same thing, you know, you draw in your lines, draw a line right there on this top, zoom in a little bit. So, you know, we just drew this line on this peak here. Um, you know, I'll draw a line at the very top. You know, here it looks like it hit this level. You know, three, there's three candles that hit that same level. Draw a line there. Uh, right here around 1150, it looks like there's quite a few days that hit that as well. And then probably the last one I would say is roughly in this area here because we had these, you know, four days that kind of hit the same level. So that, that's what I do as far as like, and, and those are, those would be my resistance lines. So every time it gets to one of these lines, I'm kind of thinking it's going to have, you know, a little bit of trouble uh, moving up or continuing the trend. Uh, let's get us back into the intraday here really quick. Is that okay, David? Are you, you follow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> So I want to make sure I'm not losing you. I just noticed a different play from the exact same uh, candle you were playing, like you were on the one-minute chart, right? Yeah. And like, so what you were playing was you were playing the breakout. Right. And the thing is, I know, I just saw another play. I know some people that, well, the guy me how to trade. He was a, he was a trader at JP Morgan. He, he's more conservative, so he won't, uh, he won't trade the breakout, but he'll trade the retest. Okay. Yeah. So if you, so if you saw that it broke out above like $8 something and it did a retest to 810, which was, which was the previous high. Yeah. So he would buy that retest and it just kept going up after that. Yeah, that's that. it's, it's more conservative because he missed out on that giant chunk that, that you got into at the bottom. Right. See, the only the only thing I've tried that before and the mm -hmm. only thing that I don't uh, like that, that might be a spot where I would add <laughs> my existing position. But the reason I don't like that as far as a buy on like these intraday charts is because um, I, I, I don't have a really defined risk. Well, I do, but it's, it's still where I entered. It's still that last low. So if you get that big move where it comes up and it comes off that, you know, if, like I said, the entry is 765 and then it breaks up over $8 and then it bounces back down onto $8. I still have to risk off that 745 because that was still mm. my previous low. So like my share size I could buy up there is like, you know, it's, it's four or five times smaller than what I could have gotten at the bottom. So like right, ideally right. that would be somewhere where I would buy at the bottom, sell a little bit into that peak, and then maybe I could buy those shares back on that first pullback. That's just like personally kind of how I so do you're, you're, So you're almost like you're maximizing profits, right? You're getting in as low as possible. Yeah. Like I, 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 don't, I don't even like taking plays that are two to one, three to one risk reward. Like I like plays that are like, you know, if, I, if I'm risking 10 bucks, I want to make 50. If I'm risking 10 bucks, I want to make 100. Like those are, those are the kind of plays that I like. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I, think, I think that's an interesting thing. I, I think where a lot of people who are getting into trading should should match their personality too, right? Because because mm -hmm. I would be playing, I would be playing the uh, the pullback. Yeah. Well, you scalp get, right? Like you do. I scalp your... a rut. Yeah. So yeah. like if it, if it pulls back and it confirmed that that was that's that previous uh, resistance is now support, then that's a good high probability uh, trade, right? right? So it's like whereas whereas you're you're doing like a two three four x, I might do like a fifty percent return, but it's like almost guaranteed nine out of ten times I'm going to get that fifty percent. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, that's like, what I mean. Like, it just you, you just have to play whatever works for you. Like, it's yeah. it's the same pattern, but like both of us would play it different ways, right? Oh, we're seeing it completely differently. It is like so so interesting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah let's pop pop back over to the chart. And we'll just see how our lines kind of correlated here. Um, so these are all the lines that we just threw in on the daily chart, and like like this this is exactly what David was just talking about. You know, right here is where where he would buy in. So you know, you see this, and it breaks over. This is just a line that I drew on the daily chart. It breaks over and then it sits back down on this line. So and if you pull back just a little bit, that was the previous high. That's that's how you yeah. know that the retest. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the previous high. So it's broken out over that. It's broken out to new highs in the middle of the day, and then it pulls back down, sits on top of that. So for me personally, like what I would do to protect myself in this position 
is on this first move, you know, I'd get in here in the 760s, I would sell probably a quarter up here just over $8. Because then I know that gives me enough protection that if this was to completely fail on me and stop me out down here in the 740s, that quarter that I sold up here is going to protect me from taking a loss. And now I'm just going to get out of this play for break even. Um, so that's that way, you know, on if I if I play two or three of these, and two or three of them don't work out, at least I've sold that quarter, you know, I, I've just had a I've had a $0 day, I've had a $0 day instead of a losing day and a losing day. Um, so that's why knowing where you're going to sell is also really important. So you can maximize your profits. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I do. So I'd sell maybe a quarter here. And then at that point, you're really just kind of looking at um, all your lines and how they play out. So what I've noticed on these is like, again, you can see everywhere that we got a little bit of a, a cluster, you know, it kind of these lines are pretty, pretty distinctive. I mean, up here, you know, even this line we drew, that's where it topped off a few times. So, and these are, you know, these, these lines were from like, what was that back in, you know, March or something at the beginning of this year. So, and they're still like on this day, this, they all play in pretty, pretty effectively. So that's why, you know, you always want to look way back on the history to find out where your resistance lines are. So when I would consider this broken is, is basically when any one of these lines get like broken with conviction. And when I say conviction, I mean like, you know, we have a huge red candle slam through one of these lines. That's when I would consider the trend broken. And then what I would do is um, very rarely will it just come straight down. So it'll snap down and then it'll bounce back up and I'll sell, I'll sell everything on that bounce. Like that's, that's how I would get out if it failed. Um, on this particular play, it actually went quite far. So you can see here, you know, I would sell, like I said, I'd sell a quarter here and then I'd probably sell, you know, maybe another quarter into this line, probably sell another quarter into this line. And then if this came back down here and you can see it's kind of basing over this line, you know, I might rebuy a few shares here risking off of this low here now and then get capture this next move, sell another piece up into this next line. And then you just, you, you know, you can keep kind of doing that on the way up. So on here, you know, it's come down again. It's kind of broken this line a little bit and then it sits back up on top. So, you know, I could buy a little bit more here risking off of this previous low. And I'm always trading around that core position that I bought down here. So my average is still gonna be pretty low, which is gonna, you know, give me a little bit more cushion on these positions. Um, and then you can see it, you know, it kept going and ended up breaking this 1042 line and then it looks like this this little wick right here, you know, that touched, yeah, 11.54 was the high. So that touched exactly on this line, pulled back, and then we had this big green candle, you know, pushed up through it again. And then this this is what I'm talking about for when the trend is broken. So as you can see here, like, you know, it, it, it slammed right through this line, popped back up, and it held underneath it, and then it pulled down again. So, like, to me, when I see that, that's when I know the trend's broken. So if I still had any shares at this point, I'd be getting, I'd be selling everything out on this next bounce here. And then you can see, you know, for the rest of the day, it just kind of sold off. So all in all, you know, if you, you get in here at the entry, you know, 765, you could, you could carry some of those shares all the way up to $12. You know, that's a, I don't know what that would be like an 80% move or something like that in, in about an hour. So those are the kind of moves that I'm looking for is those, those really big gainers. Um, and, you know, just try and, Try and maximize your profits as best you can because if you, you know, if you buy at 765 and you don't really know why you're in or how far the stock can really go because you haven't tracked enough of them, then you know you might sell your whole position at eight dollars and you might only make you know 35 cents where you could have made you know five six dollars on your position. So um, that's just that's that's kind of how I go about doing these. And then what I would do now is I would I would save this chart. I'd take a screenshot of this take a screenshot of the daily chart and then I would save it. You know, I have thousands of charts saved and then I just go through the whole breakdown process. So um, I will flip back over to a different screen here really quick. You look like you're thinking over there, David. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just, um, I, I just remember if we touched on uh, how you, um, how you identify these, these stocks, like what's, what's the step before that? Um, like how to scan for them basically? Yeah, yeah. So in the morning, um, every broker has a scanner and they're all different. Um, but basically what I'll do is I just, uh, it's pretty simple. You just find find whatever scanner you have in your broker. Um, I'm not gonna get into how to set it up right this this second because it's it's kind of, you know, it'll take a little while to go through all that. But um, I'm just looking for anything that's gaining. So like I'll, you know, I might have a hundred stocks that pop up that are, you know, over five, 10% first thing in the morning. 
And then I'll just sit there and I just flick through them all. And if, if I see one that looks like it's a good pattern, then I go over to FinBiz, that website, check the float. If the float's 200 million, then I don't care. I ignore it. And I keep going through, find the next one. If I see it, it looks like a good setup. You know, the float's 30 million. Okay, perfect. Then I put that on my watch list. Keep going through the scanner, you know, find something else that's up. Like maybe the, the intraday looks good, but I look at the daily chart and I don't like the daily chart because, you know, it's day three of a of a big run. So I know that it's not good for a long. So then I'll just ignore that one. And, you know, once like once, once you know what you're looking for, you can, you can, you can whip through them pretty quick and figure out exactly what stocks you want to have on your watch list. I mean, you're going to miss some, like some things are going to do different stuff, but for the most part, you can kind of narrow it in. But the only way you can get to knowing exactly which ones you want to look for is by basically at the end of every single day, like sit down at your computer, run a scanner for everything that's gone up that day, look at all your highest percentage gainers, and then just look, take a screenshot of the chart and then, you know, go over to your spreadsheet and just, just fill out whatever parameters you think are, are potentially necessary. You know, like what's, what was the volume? Uh, what was the time frame of the setup? What was the entry time of the setup? Uh, what's the risk? Uh, you know, what's the float? Just, you know, anything that, anything that you think might be pertinent information, um, you know, what day of the week is it? Is it a Monday? Is it a Tuesday? You know, just like anything that you think might be relevant and then just start tracking it. And then after a while, you know, tracking the same general setup over and over and over again, then you can kind of start to, to narrow your focus in until you get, until you find something that actually works. And it's a lot of the times it won't work. Like a lot of the times you'll see these big plays and there might be, there might be a setup in there, but you know, I won't be able to see it or you won't be able to see it and you'll try and track it, but you, you know, it, it won't be something that's, that's easily visible. So you just go on to the next one until you can, until you can actually see something and say and recognize it as it's happening. Right. So is there like some, some favorite assets or favorite stocks you like trading or is it just, you're just agnostic. You like whatever the scanner yeah. shows you. That's what you anything. Like anything. <laughs> Honestly, like it doesn't matter what the company is. It doesn't matter what sector it is. Like it, it, it's completely irrelevant. It's just, all I care about is the pattern, the, the daily charts and the float. That's, that's really all like, those are the three things that I look for. And as long as all those three things fit, then I'll, I'll wait and I'll just watch it. And if I see a pattern develop, then I'll trade it. If I don't see a pattern develop, you know, it might, I might sit there and watch it go up 500%. But if I didn't see something that I know, then I'll just sit there and watch it go up 500%. <laughs> see that, that gives me anxiety. I have to know what it is when I'm buying. Like, even if I'm just day trading it, I just, I want to know everything I can about it crazy yeah, you, don't have to, you don't have time for that man <laughs> yeah i know that's that's the thing I, and i can and i kind of feel like it's relevant too but i just have this need to like just feed the data like i just need to know yeah like yeah. i've had times where like you know there's like this this pattern for example like i've done it so many times now that I, I can recognize it really quick and make a quick decision like i've had times where it's the middle of the day and i pop open my scanner and like you know i see a chart and then i look at it and i'm like oh shit that looks like a good pattern i like pop over, check the float really quick, look at it. And like, you know, within literally 20 seconds of seeing the stock, I'm already in the trade. <laughs> and you check in like, so you're, you're trading the one minute uh, candles, but you're yeah. looking at the larger time frames for like your entries and exits. Yeah. So the larger time frames are really good to find out like, like where your resistance is and like where, where I'm going to want to exit stuff. And like, as you can see on that last thing that we just showed, like they, they're, they're good indicators of when the pattern's broken as well. Right. Because once you get those lines in, like once those lines break really hard, then you know that, you know, the selling has taken over and the stock's going to start coming back down, which also on the flip side could be a good opportunity to start getting in short. Right. Right. That's that's something that I'm working on now is is, you know, selling at the top. And then once that pattern breaks, flipping my my outlook and starting going short and riding the riding the backside down. That's something that I'm working on right now. Yeah, I still have not gotten into uh, why well, short futures but that's different like i can't short stocks it just gives me gives me anxiety yeah it's like going long you just you just gotta have you, you gotta have a risk man like you gotta know exactly where you're gonna cut it there is that but like it just for me the risk reward right off the bat doesn't calculate because it's like if the stock wherever it doesn't matter where you buy it if you short it even if it goes to zero your maximum profit is 100 percent. it has to go to zero for that to happen so yeah. it's like what are you really fighting for? Like, it's, it's scary, right? Yeah. Yeah. If, like for people that don't know, like when, when it comes to shorting, it's uh it's a lot riskier because you can lose more than your investment. Right. So like if you have just to keep it simple, like if it was a $1 stock and you bought a hundred shares, if that stock goes to $0, 
you've lost a hundred dollars and you're not going to lose any more than that. Right. Um, but if you're, if you're, um, if you're shorting the stock, then, you know, if you, if you short a hundred shares of the stock at a dollar and it goes to $3 and you're still in, pos in your position, you're, you're down $200. So you've lost, you know, you've lost double what your actual investment is. So like, you know, there, there has been horror stories where guys have, you know, I've, I've seen guys post, they have like, you know, a $30,000 account and they short a stock and then some, and they try to swing it overnight and some news comes out and it spikes way up. And not only have they lost all their 30,000, but they also owe their broker like another 50,000 because it's gone up so high. So like you, you can, you can put yourself in debt shorting, which is why it's a lot riskier. Yeah. I actually have a friend. Um, he was stuck in a position for almost, I think almost two years. He was playing on margin and he shorted the position. It was like an oil company or something like that. And it just went, went against them terribly. And it's like, if he closed the position, he would owe money. So you yeah. just have to keep putting money and just keep maintaining the account, hoping that the asset would go back up. Like it was, oh. or, yeah, it was just terrible. Yeah. That's too scary for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a six figure, uh, it was a six figure position. Like, Oof. yeah, no uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, mean, a, he's, a, he's a gambler though. Like he trades the VIX. Oh really? Yeah. Like, so like, yeah, like I, I don't even know what exchanges allow you to trade the VIX, but I know he plays it because he showed, he showed me his returns once. I was like, yeah, that one time you made like quite a lot of money, but how many times were you losing like yeah. a lot? Like so everybody has one good trade. It's you know, it's the consistency that keeps you in the game. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you have a lot of um what's it call it? Um charts, right? Or the Excel sheets. Yeah. You, you track a lot of that stuff. I don't track anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. It's it's yeah, it's 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 good. Like I find um, cause again, like, you know, you're doing a lot of the investing stuff. So you're, you're more concerned about the company fundamentals, right? Yeah. So that's, not, that's not really something that you need to necessarily track. I mean, you know, you can, you can make spreadsheets saying, okay, you know, these five companies have the same, you know, whatever, like, I don't know too much about fundamentals. They have the same, you know, generally the same profit loss revenue, whatever. Right. Right. How, they all, how do they all react over the next year? Right. Like you can still make, you can still kind of make patterns and then that way you have set parameters to make your best trades. But like when it comes to when it comes to day trading, like there's just there's so many things going on and like there's so many little variations that can literally make or break a trade that like I, like I said on that one there, like remember I said the the third peak has to push, you know, your, your slope line has to push it off that second peak. So if it doesn't, if that third line, if that third uh, peak is below that, then, you know, your your odds drop like at least 50 percent that that trade's actually going to work. So just, you know, just you know, 10 cents variance on that last peak is the make or break for that, for that particular play for me. Yeah, so because it's a, because a momentum thing, right? You want to see the price action, try to break resistance, try to bust through it versus like just falling short. It's like, uh, puttering out. Yeah, exactly. Down. Yeah. So that's why, like, that's why all these, all these tracking is so important because it just gives you a lot more confidence in the play too. Like, you know, if you, if I've got, if I got a spreadsheet and I have, you know, I got 50 stocks, I got 50 pictures of this setup and, 50 different entry points and I have all the percentages and everything's kind of like right within a range. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's going to work. Like the next time I see that, I'm going to be pretty comfortable going into that play. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all a mental thing too. Right. Like it's, 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 it's something that allows you to not get scared out and, you know, actually let the thing go. Like, you know, I can say on that particular pattern, you know, I've seen this 500 times. So when I get into that position, you know, even though I'm, I've been in from 760 and now it's at 860, like, I'm still pretty comfortable holding half my position because I know from experience and from my record keeping that, that that's probably going to go another, you know, 40, 50%. Right. So, do you want to, uh, do you want to show a bit of your record keeping? Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm actually, if you just want to pop over to my screen here, I'm actually just going to like kind of open um, just like a spreadsheet and I'll just kind of go through like <laughs> roughly what I would do. So like on this particular setup, like that ABCD thing, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put in parameters that I think are, might be important. So I'd say, you know, maybe percent gap up, right? That'd be the first thing I'd type in. Um, I would say, you know, um, price, price at entry. Entry, if I could spell. Um, you know, I would say, um, I don't know, um, you know, percentage up from open. Um, I would say, you know, time frame. Time frame. You know, what's the time frame of the particular setup? Um, you know, what's the float? 
uh, obviously what's what's the actual ticker of the company here as well. All right. Um, so yeah, we were trying to type in this Excel spreadsheet here, and for some reason it was uh, it was like making our screen share go all funky. So um, basically, what uh, what I would do is, you know, what you guys should do is once you once you see a move that you know it's it's a big percent move, and you're you're trying to break it down. This this is the kind of thing that you want to do is just you know type in the stock name, just whatever parameters you can think of. Like this is what I pulled up off the top of my head. You know percentage gap up. So like, you know, what, what percentage is the stock up from, from yesterday's close? Um, what's the price at the entry? You know, what's the, what's the percentage up from the open price? You know, like it, you know, maybe it gapped up 10% and then from the open, it's gone up another 10%. So this is, you know, another 10%. Um, what's the time frame of the setup? You know, is it, does this thing usually seem to take place over half an hour, an hour, two hours, you know, like what's, what's kind of like from where you start seeing the pattern happen to where you're getting in, what's kind of your, your time frame on that, you know, and again, probably one of the most important is what's the float. So, um, the lower the float, obviously, the more volatile the moves are going to be. So that's another thing to keep in mind as well. But I mean, th these things could be anything. You know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. I mean, if you guys want to use different indicators, like you know, um, like the simple moving averages or or whatever, you know, like like VWAP is something I use. So I probably put in there, you know. Is it over VWAP? Is it under VWAP? Um, if it is over, you know, maybe what percentage is it over? Um, you know, it, it's it's all basically just a game of numbers. And then the more the more of these you get, and the more of these you fill into your spreadsheet, you know, you can you can set up each column and kind of and to organize it. So like um, like time frame, for example, you know, you might you might hit that, and you might notice that like oh, um, if if the entry point on this is you know between ten thirty and eleven thirty in the morning then the percent gain is usually 100. But if the same setup happens between 1 and 1.30 in the afternoon, the percent gain is usually only like 30%. So, you know, maybe you don't really pay attention to the play at this particular time of day, or, you know, maybe you still do, but, you know, you're a little bit more wary of it. Um, you know, what's your percentage risk is probably another big one you want to put in there. Um, just all that kind of stuff, I think, is, is really, you just, you just want to really break down the play as much as you can with anything that you, you think might be important. And as you go through, you might find that certain things aren't important, you know, just delete the column until you can really narrow it in. And then once you have a really good basis of, of uh, data, then you can, you can look at these charts and say, you know, cause the other thing is, is trying to see them in hindsight, right? Like, you know, we're looking at this chart, it's already played out beautifully. Like, okay, great. It's easy. You know, I see it, it's right there. But as that thing's ticking along, you know, candle by candle over the period of an hour, you have to be able to recognize that and see it as it's happening, which is also, you know, it can be tricky depending on the pattern. Um, so that's all stuff to keep in mind. And then once you once you have that all sorted out, then you know the first couple times you do it, you can look at it and you know just have your have your 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 broker open, pull open your spreadsheet, look at it, and just look at it really quick. Okay, like yeah, is is the time frame good? Is is the entry point good? Is the percentage gap up good? And if everything's kind of cross correlating, you can say okay, everything's matching up with what I know should be a pretty high probability play. So let, you know, let's go for it. And then you just kind of progress from that, but that that's the key. And I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that particular type of play, but uh, it's just, it's just about finding, finding big moves that you're seeing on a regular basis, taking a picture, taking a picture of the whole chart so you can see the big picture and then, you know, breaking it apart. Like maybe, maybe the first little chunk of the pattern, maybe that's not really something that you you're able to break apart. You know, maybe you just can't figure it out. So go to the next piece of the pattern. You know, maybe it's shot up and it's doing something else when it's sitting up here. Maybe you can pick apart this piece of the pattern and use that as your setup point, right? So it's just all about breaking it all down and, and figuring out exactly what's going to give you the highest uh, percentage and probability of returns. So when did you start using the uh, the spreadsheets? It wasn't at the very beginning, was it? Um, I did. I made a few like at the very beginning, um, and then I kind of got out of it for a while and. Um, then I got back into it. Like when I was when I first started trading, I was trading mainly OTCs. And uh, for people that don't know what those are, they're they're over the counter the stocks, over the counter stocks. Um, so they're basically not listed. They're like really like junky companies, like a lot of scams, a lot of illegal stuff going on. Um, but the way they trade is really easy to to watch, right? I, I just I just wanted to mention if anybody's seen the movie uh, Wolf of Wall Street or like Boiler Room, that's that's what OTC is. <laughs> that's that's companies pushing dog shit that exchanges won't list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not it's not on the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> you know, it's not regulated. It's basically just like a huge like you know, it's just like a big crime ring. <laughs> like it's 
<laughs> oh, that actually reminds me of something I should point out. There's a lot of there is a lot of scams out there still, even with the SEC and and all these uh, regulations involved. I just had uh, a friend of mine send me um, a stock to look into. Like I think it was just last week, and so they were first of all they were advertising on Instagram. They were they were telling people that they're to, to buy shares. Minimum investment was two hundred dollars. And there, yeah, you, you can buy shares in this company. They're an energy company. They have this new way of mining lithium. Anyway, the website and the Instagram looks great, right? But so I started looking actually deep into the company because this is just the stuff that I like to do. And if you, if you, so they, they say that they're a Canadian company, their head office is in Toronto. So explain to me how they're incorporated in Costa Rica, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Probably because they want to get around the fact that you can't as a company uh just sell shares direct to the consumer right? right you can you can get venture capital uh, investment you can get accredited investors which means that they have their high net worth investors they're they're generally pretty educated on this subject you can't just go to any joe schmo on the street say hey give me 20 bucks and i'll give you a share of this company that's because most people will get taken right right so that's why they're, they're freaking incorporated in costa rica unreal and and the service they were using to sell the shares explicitly says in the contract that all we're doing is selling the shares. We don't know about this company. We have no you know, <laughs> connection with these guys. Like all yes. we're doing is facilitating the transfer of shares. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no red flags there at all. Eh? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so like I just want I just want to point out to people, even as a any kind of a trade, this kind of a thing is a red flag. I mean, so this company is trying to raise like, like two million dollars. They apparently have this um New mining technology for lithium, which, by the way, they say they do, but I, they don't have, they don't show a prototype. They don't have any data. They don't have any mines. They have nothing, right? It's just basically a website and words, right? Right. And they're saying they want to raise two million dollars, and they actually have a pretty uh, detailed breakdown of how they're going to spend the two million dollars, right? Apparently, one hundred fifty thousand of it is going to go into uh, making the actual machine. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you make, but one hundred fifty thousand dollars might get you, well, might get you a day's yeah. worth of work. It's like the right. price it's, of SUV. <laughs> yeah, right. That, like that might get you a copyright, uh, you know, yeah. uh, application. Like that's not going to get you shit, right? Know. So, so I'm like, so these guys are going to raise a bunch of money from people off Instagram, and they're just going to run away. Nobody has any recourse because they're incorporated in Costa Rica, right? Right. So, like, it's just yeah. So that's it, kind it, of the happens all the time, man. Like, but that that was so big in the OTC. <laughs> like that happened all the time, and like. Right when I like when I first started trading, that's what that's what all, a lot of the guys were trading is because the OTC markets were still pretty active, and um, they're just like we'll we'll get into this more later about like reading like level two and like the time and sales and stuff on on um, on like the charts, but um, like basically like you could sit there and like they just move like so cleanly like it's not like you know you look at the stock we were just looking at there's you know all these candles wicking all over the place and it's kind of messy like an OTC would be like. You know, for the most part, they're like nice, beautiful curves. Like everything flows so clean. Like you know, if we hit a new high, if it hit that one cent high, you know, ninety-five percent of the time you could buy that, and it's just going to keep going. Like they were, like I, you know, I, I'd started trading those, and I was profitable for my first few months trading those, and I didn't know anything. Um, and then they basically just like withered off to nothing to now at the point where there's like there's no OTCs that like you know you get one maybe every like month that has enough volume to play so like i don't even pay attention to them anymore um but i did i did used to make spreadsheets on those at the beginning and then once they started uh once they started dying off it, it, i think it almost kind of hurt me because like I, I used to keep all my risk and everything so tight because that's the way you could do that on the otcs because everything was so cut and dry and then when i when i started trading all the listed stocks you know there was just time and time and time again where i'd i'd get into a play and i'd put my risk here and then it would you know it would flutter around and it would stop me out and then it would keep going or vice versa and it used to drive me nuts because i'm like you know where do i put my risk like i i, I can't risk specifically off something so Cause, i used cause, to just because now go. you're dealing with market makers they're, they're yeah. the ones that stop you out those fuckers yeah so like it just drove me insane but like i did eventually after a while start making and you know you just have to adjust your risk and everything um but uh, I think I think it's really important that people do make spreadsheets because I mean that's that's the only way you're going to have any real information as to whether or not that pattern you're looking at is actually viable or not. Um, and then the other thing, if we pop back over to my screen, I just want to show one more quick chart here. Um, so this here, um, this is just kind of like a I just zoom this in, um, but I have uh, you know I have every month and everything on here. This is this is how I set up my profit calendars. 
Um, the reason I do this, like, you know, David, you like, you wouldn't have to do something like this because you're not trading, you know, potentially three, four times a day. <laughs> but uh, like what this is, is it's just it's just another way that I can kind of keep track of where I'm at. So, you know, when you look at this, I have the ticker. So I have, you know, I have five slots in here and, you know, Monday and December or whatever. Um, and then I have like little time frames. So I have like between 930 and 11 o'clock, between 11 and 130, between 130 and four. And I have, you know, the first column is profit, the second column is loss. I'm not going to punch anything in here because it was making the screen go kind of wacky last time. Um, but basically, like th what this allows me to do is, you know, I can punch all my trades in here. So, you know, company XYZ, company one, two, three, whatever, all down here, the ones I'm trading. And then between 9.30 and 10, you know, I traded this and, you know, I made a $100 profit. So I'll put $100 in here on the left side. And then maybe, you know, later on in the day, I traded company one, two, three, and it was, you know, it was two o'clock and I lost, you know, 50 bucks on it. So I put that over here. And then that that just kind of gives me like even a little bit more of a breakdown as to, you know, maybe, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks or a month, I can start to kind of see a trend developing and say, okay, like it seems like, you know, every time I trade in the morning, I, my odds of being profitable are quite a bit more than when I trade in the afternoon. So, you know, maybe I'm still making money in the afternoon. So I want to keep that in or, you know, maybe I'm only making like break even and it's just, you know, it's just mentally exhausting. So maybe, you know, I just won't trade those hours anymore. Or, you know, maybe in the middle of the day, I know that, you know, I have some really good plays that I can make a lot of money on, but I have a lot more losing plays. So even though they're smaller, I have a lot more losing plays. So maybe, you know, I should size down in the middle of the day and, you know, put more focus in the morning or, you know, it just kind of helps you figure out exactly where, like where your own personal, um, strengths and weaknesses are on those things and then at the end of every month it'll it'll show me the full breakdown so it'll show me you know what my average profit is per trade what my average loss is per trade my total profits my total losses and then my gross profit and loss so it's just like it, it's something that you really have to be aware of especially if you're trading every day because you know things things happen so fast when you're day trading that you can get you know you can you can start rolling down you know a rabbit hole really quick and end up you know losing for weeks and weeks on end and then not even realizing it. Whereas like something like this, you know, I, I, I can look at this every day and I can really quickly pick up on a bad habit forming, you know, like maybe for whatever reason I've, I've noticed, Oh, like how come all of a sudden I'm always trading between, you know, 11 and one thirty when I know that's a time I always lose and I've lost for a week straight. Like, what am I doing? And then I, you know, I can readjust. So it's just, it's just a way that I can kind of, you know, keep ahead of myself and make sure that I'm staying on the right track. You know, there's, it's it's like I said before, like psychology is something that I'm getting really interested in now because it's such a big part in trading. But it's it's really about always constantly being on top of it, always constantly tracking, like even patterns I, that, that I know work. I still track them like pretty regularly just to make sure they're not changing. Right. Because the markets are always adjusting. So it's just, you know, the, like I like I know you, you say you love researching companies and fundamentals like I love spreadsheets. I love chart patterns. Like I just love numbers. I love like being able to look at a million numbers and give me like a give me a result, right? So like the more of those I have, the happier I am. <laughs> right, right. I think. Did you want to touch on real quick the the different kind of traders there are? Because you're you're a through and through day trader, but there's like scalpers and there's swing traders and there's position yeah. traders. Yeah. So there's like when it comes to like day trading specifically, I mean, day trading can be correlated, like you said, you know, scalping, uh, you know, like swing trading. Um, so for me, I would like, I would consider myself, you know, I'm just like a like day trader generally. And like, what I mean by that is like, I'm, I'm looking for moves that are, you know, pretty big. Like I said, like I'm looking for, you know, four or five, six times to one reward to risk. Like I like to be in a trade for, you know, 20 minutes to an hour, you know, kind of are my sweet spots. Um, certain day traders though, like I know some guys that like, they love scalping and scalping is basically like, you know, they might see, they might see something going on and they see like a little channel develop. And they'll, you know, they'll just pick away at that and make, you know, 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents, and just kind of flutter away at that instead of, you know, like me, for example, where I would just buy a whole bunch and then, you know, sell a whole bunch. I just take that one big move and I do one trade. They might do a hundred trades, but make, you know, the same amount of money or more or less or whatever. Right. But that's the way that those guys like to trade. And then there's, there's swing trading, which is like you, you do a bit of swing trading too. And that's, that's, that's as far as comfortable as trading that I'm going to get is swing trading. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. that's basically like generally over like a period of a few days or weeks or, or even up to a couple of months. So like, you know, a swing trade could be considered, you know, I'm, 
I'm buying now on a Friday and I'm hoping it's going to gap up over the weekend and I'm going to sell on Monday morning. Or it could be, you know, I'm buying on a Monday and I'm expecting it to go up. So I'm going to sell it on Friday or like I'm going to buy it now and I'm probably going to sell it in a month or two once this plays out. Like swing trading is just like a little bit over a longer term. Um, but they're all like, like, you know, bottom line is the longer your time frame gets, the more fundamentals you need to know about the company. Like if, I, if I'm... If I'm going to swing something for like you know a day or two, then you know I just want to make sure the company is not going to come out with a, like an offering or or bankruptcy news or or something like that. And then yeah. you know I don't really need to dig like too too much deeper than that. But like if I'm going to buy a stock and swing it for like a week or two weeks or a month, like I'm going to probably want to dig in and know you know a lot about what the company is doing so that it doesn't crash on me or something. Yeah, I think that's like one of the most important things. Where like the the shorter, the more short the time frame you're playing, the less variables you have to deal with. Right? Yeah, you're basically trading psychology at that point, like the one minute. But if you're like if you're swing trading, like me, I have to look at the overall market. Right. If the whole market goes down on Monday. I'm going down with it. So yeah. these are things that I gotta kind of pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's it's, whatever, I, it's just whatever works for you, right? Like yeah, that, that's the other thing I was gonna say. I feel like the. Uh, those who tend to enjoy the shorter time frames are kind of a little bit of a gen adrenaline junkies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're a scalper, you got to really love that. Just oh, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, 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 I'm a little chill. Yeah. Well, it's like I was saying to you the other day, right? Like I, I, I remember like I was reading in, in my book and I was like, Oh, it's so relatable. Like this one guy was saying, he's like, he was saying that 95% of his yearly profits come from 5% of his trades. And he said the other the other ninety five percent of his trades are all break even. Like he doesn't make any money on them. And the guy was asking, he's like, "Well, why do you do that then?" He's like, "Because I get bored. I got <laughs> yeah, to exactly. do something, right?" You can't not be in the market. Yeah, and that's like me. Like I, you know, like not to that extent, but like I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like you know, like I have like my my big A plus setups. Like you know, I really only see them maybe like maybe like two or three times a week. I really see like those big plays, like I just showed you there, but. I mean, like I'm trading every day because, like, I just you know I can't help myself. I need some. I, I love it. So <clears throat> I gotta give props to you though, because I keep trying to talk you to trading Bitcoin futures, <laughs> and you haven't <laughs> and you haven't gotten into it yet. No, I, that 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 market trades twenty four seven. Like it doesn't stop. Like freaking New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, I was still trading. Like yeah, was, yeah. See, if I got an account in that, I would be, I would never leave my desk. Like, I, <laughs> you'd see me a few months from now, I'd have a big beard and like, <laughs> yeah. leave your cave. Yeah, I would not be able to leave my desk. And, like, as, as, much, as much as I hate the weekends because I don't get the trade, like, if, if there was markets open on the weekend that I was trading, it would be dangerous, man. I wouldn't be able to stop. <laughs> yeah, it's like the same. I think Forex trades 24 7 too. I don't think that's yeah. stopped. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy one. I don't know anybody that trades Forex, actually. No, all I know is that I get advertisements about it like 24-7. <laughs> I, I've looked into it, though. It's absolutely ridiculous because the, the price moves are like fractions of percentages, right? They call them pips. Okay. So the only way for you can make money off of it is if you're highly leveraged. They give you 100 to, to 1 leverage. Yeah. Right? Just... So you open up, yeah, so you open up an account, you put 10 grand in it, you can hold like a main dollar position. Yeah. That's the only way you can make any money because you're moving like fractions of percentages yeah well you like that's like, that's probably another thing to touch on too is like like the way that i trade i remember we talked about this is like i don't use leverage on anything because i just like the, the idea of using someone else's money just like terrifies me <laughs> so like I, I only trade like cash that i have in my account but like i know i know you use leverage your bitcoin futures and stuff right yeah, I'm using 100x leverage right now. <laughs> yeah, so like one dollar is a hundred dollars, right? So you, you can yeah. you can trade a Bitcoin essentially. Yeah, so for one dollar, I can hold a hundred dollar uh, position. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So if, so if so if, so if Bitcoin moves up one percent, I've just made it made uh, double my money. Right. Because okay. it, it costs me a dollar to hold that position. I'm holding a dollar, a hundred dollars worth of position. It goes up one percent. I've I've just made a dollar out out of it out of my yeah. one dollar. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah. That's why leverage is attractive, but the problem is if it goes against you. Exactly. You, you've, just, you've just magnified your losses. Like it's just yeah. a horrible feeling. I know. I know. That's the problem. Is it's like yeah, it magnifies your wins, but it also magnifies your losses equally. So yeah, yeah. it's just always something to be aware of. Again, it just comes back to you know risk management. Like always, just know where your stop is and stick to it. Don't ever let it go through your stop. Like you can always get back in. Like I. I can show you charts where I've bought a stock, sold it a minute later, and then bought it a minute later again. 
Like, you know, it's, it just, it did something that just like freaked me out. So I, I sold it and then it, you know, it came right back and I was like, okay, we're still in the game. Buy it all right back in. Right. So, you know, you can, you well, can all do that. Did we touch on how you um, arrive at your stops? Um, like how I, how I, uh, yeah. Like, how do you figure out what, uh, yeah. So on that, on that particular setup, it was just, it was just the pre like the previous low. So like I said, you know, on the ABCD, there's, you know, one high, one low, two, two, and then three, three. And then that's when I'm expecting it to go. So I risk off of that third low, which is like the tightest yeah, one. Okay. Um, okay. I, know, I know some people will do like, like a 2%, but if it dips 2% below, then no. they'll, they'll stop yeah, out or whatever. Yeah, I think that's useless because like, that might not that might not necessarily coincide with the pattern, right? Like, right. like if the specific pattern, if if three percent is where the pattern's actually broken, then if you risk two percent, and it could easily just dip to two percent, knock you out, and keep going. So, like that's why that's why like the way that I always go about it is I I figure out what the what the um what the lot like the stop loss is going to be, whether it's ten cents, fifteen cents, twenty cents, whatever, and then from that number, I'll calculate my number of shares that's going to be my max loss i'm willing to take and that's the position i'll take on the trade right. because like if you're ever doing a percentage or like even if you're like okay i want to trade 500 shares but i only want to take a 50 dollars loss well your max stop is 10 cents but what if the chart pattern dictates that a 15 cent stop is where the pattern's actually broken then that's a useless stop right 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 so yeah i have a, I have a habit of not setting stops at all I think it's it's a it's a carryover from um, investing though, because yeah. with investing it's like I'm I'm looking at, for me personally I'm looking at something I, to hold five to ten years at least. Right. And so like it's irrelevant for me if the if the if the asset dumps like ten twenty percent. Yeah. Like at that point like if something dumps ten twenty percent if I'm looking I, if I I just reassess the fundamentals if it's still a good company then there's no reason to sell then just it's irrelevant right there's to to stop out. Yeah. So. So, but it's a little different with trading though. Like I, I will set stops because Bitcoin trades 24 seven. So if I'm going to sleep, I'll set a stop. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You know, yeah. But, but other than that, I try, I, I still have a habit of not setting stops. Yeah. You I know? always do just cause like, you know, it just makes me feel more comfortable to have a stop in there. Um, but like, like, like just going back to like how I figure out where they are, that just, that again, just comes back to tracking the stock. Right. So like, like I've on that particular ABCD setup, like I've seen it enough times that I know if it does, if it does dip below that, you know, that third low, then I, I know the pattern's broken. So that's, that's, that's how I find them is, you know, whatever setup it's going to be, just, just figure out, you know, which, whenever you see that setup and it doesn't work, figure out what, what level dictates where it didn't work. And then that's where you set your stop. Right. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I got, I think for, for right now anyways. And, we should wrap her up. Yeah, you I, think that's, I think that's pretty much good. Um, so we touched on everything, a little bit on leverage. I don't want to get too crazy on leverage, but just wanted yeah. people to know what that was. Okay. Yeah, next yeah. week we'll get into investing and fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're going to look at my favorite stuff. <laughs> boring no, stuff. Not, not, not even look at the charts <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> it's mostly philosophy, to be honest. Like, the, the guys that I follow, like they're just, yeah, it's just philosophy. It has nothing to do with numbers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right on. Cool. Cool. So, uh, you want to like, and subscribe? Yeah. I actually just want to mention one more thing. So I, cause we're so new, we don't know where our listeners are uh, in terms of their knowledge base and whatnot. So if they could comment to say if we're going too fast or too slow or whatnot, just give us a little heads up mm -hmm. and then uh, we'll know where to go with the future episodes. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Make sure you guys like, and subscribe. Give us cool. some support. <laughs> awesome. Till the next one. Yeah. See you later. Later.